Well, I'm very pleased to hear that master trainer Paul Fitzpatrick is back in full swing around the stables following a long, slow recovery from a debilitating kidney disorder. He had two visits to hospital before doctors finally nailed it and got Paul onto an intensive course of treatment and he's been improving rapidly. Son Gavin did a terrific job to keep the stable ticking over and the winners have continued to flow. Paul Fitzpatrick has been a major player on the Sydney harness racing scene for many years now and he put together seven consecutive Harold Park Trainers Premierships before the closure of the old track in 2010. Paul's online to talk to me on today's podcast. Paul, this kidney condition stopped you dead in your tracks and it probably gave you a decent old scare too. Yeah, um, yeah. Morning, John. Um, it did. It um, just sort of came on out of the blue, and been lucky most of my life. I've been very healthy, mm. but um, yeah. Well, anyway, the main thing is they they found out what it was, and uh, they've got it under control. So we're back at work. <laughs> and you and Gavin, of course, is the acting manager. So you'd be getting all the lousy jobs. Uh, yeah, well, that's right. Well, Gavin sort of half runs the stables anyway. You know, yeah. the last few years. Yeah. Um, he's um, I'm here all the time, and uh, but he he does most of the work and um, that, that, uh, handles the stables basically, the training and everything, you know. And um, so it's all it's been. It just he just took over straight away. Paul, I don't know if you're aware, but he does have a reputation as a slave driver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a bit fastidious, really, and uh, he <laughs> likes everything done right. <laughs> he certainly does. Well, you're a true blue Bankstown boy. Uh, your dad, Jack, and uncles, Ray and Ron, were also Bankstown boys. In fact, your dad had a very famous shop in Bankstown called JJ Sports and Radio, and you worked there for a while. Yeah, um, Rod and myself, we both did our apprenticeships and, and worked there for a while, for a long time. And um, and But we just got more and more interested in the horses and um, eventually um, sort of, just sort of went and did the horses full time. Yeah, But, yeah, it, it was a wonderful shop, John. Terrific. It was a bit of an iconic thing in Bankstown. As I said, the name was JJ Sports and Radio, and that explains why your property is now known as JJ Farm. That's right. Well, your interest in harness horses was probably generated by a lovely black mare that was raced by your dad. Her name was Flaming Star. She was top class. And she won a swag of races at Harold Park, and wasn't she quick? Yeah, brilliant mare, you know, and um, very, very fast. And, uh, yeah, she used to loop him at Harold Park with 12 runners. She'd loop him in the back straight, last to first. Mm. But she wasn't the best beginner from the stand. And um, just a beautiful mare, you know, the more I learned about horses, I, I, could, I would have appreciated her so much like yeah. if you had her now. yeah. And um, she's just uh, – I remember when I was just a boy and I was working her, driving her behind Rod at Bankstown one day mm. and we were just poking along in behind and about halfway up the back straight, she just pulled herself out and went around them and, like, I, I was only there for the ride. Yeah, she was yeah. so good, yeah. Oh, lovely mare. She really was. She raced in your dad's colours, which were yellow with green hoop sleeves and, not surprisingly, they've been your second set virtually – for a long, long time, and you use them occasionally. Yeah, yeah, we use them as our second set. You know, um, I was lucky a friend of mine gave me um, the yellow and green diagonals, uh, like darts colours. Mm. He asked we did a one once, and so 
I got them, and but we've always used uh, well, they were rod sets, rods colours then. That's right. And uh, he had them, and um, <clears throat> yeah, we've always used them as our second set, and still do today. You started your training career in a small complex in Ellis Street at Condell Park. You turned out many winners from those stables, and I know one of your very early favourites was Colin McDowell's filly, the private dancer. Colin drove her in, I think, all of her 14 starts. She won 12 of 14. In fact, she won her first 12 straight. She was an exciting filly, wasn't she? Oh, wonderful, yeah. Same thing, very, very fast and um, high speed. And, um, yeah, look, she, she got beat in the heat in the final of the Victorian Oaks mm. and um, was probably unlucky to get beat in the heat, but in hindsight now she actually sort of did a tendon in the heat. And, yeah. Um, and uh, so it didn't get quite as good in the final. She still ran third, but, yeah. but oh, yeah, she was a wonderful filly, very, very fast. And right. well, lucky enough, we took her to New Zealand once, and which was great, you know, at that time. Mm. So it was, yeah, she was wonderful. And Colin has established a breeding dynasty, hasn't he, from that mare, and a lot of very good horses have stemmed from it. Yeah, he has. Yeah, yeah, very unlucky. But unfortunately, a lot of them sort of inherited the tendon. Mm. Um, of that breed, and you know, it, it can happen. And um, otherwise, I would have did a lot better. You know, in the amount of races they won, but mm. she had a tendon, and um, probably two or three in the family that showed a lot of promise. They ended up with tendons too. Mm. So, mm. Uh, but yeah, Colin bred a lot of lot of foals out of that family. So the hereditary factor really does come into it, doesn't it? When you're breeding I, I horses, I think it does, John. Yeah, mm. I think it does. Paul, 23 years ago, you made a move that was to change your life and your training career. You moved on to a property at Cordor down in the Camden area, and it ticked all the boxes as far as a potential training centre was concerned. Mind you, it wasn't uh, an impulsive decision. You'd been looking for the right place for a long time. You built your first barn on the place, and that also served as home for a while. You and Lynn and the three boys lived in that barn while the new house was being constructed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, we sold our place at Condor Park and um, had enough money to, to, to do that. And um, so, yeah, I think it was probably six or eight months we lived in the barn mm. while the house. And, uh, I mean, it was good times, you know. You, you laugh about it now. Yeah. But it, it was good. The boys were only young and... Um, I think a couple of times we had security guards here. We must have had visitors here from interstate. Yeah. And they sent security guards out here. So mm. they had to stay in the barns. And, but it was good, John. I think it was good for the family, you know. We lived out with a barbecue. and. Um, mm. But as I said, you look back now and it was all good times. It would make you appreciate the house when it was finally finished. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was wonderful when we moved into the house. I bet it was. Well, Paul, your intention was to train professionally, of course, but if that didn't work out, you could always fall back on the pre-training and spelling alternative, and you had that in the back of your mind right from scratch. Well, yeah, always. You know, we've always um, sort of said, because you know, we've always been taught you've got to work hard, and um, so we've we always thought that we could break in, pre-train, you know, train professionally, and that was the idea. Ultimately, is to be a professional trainer. Mm. But in the meantime, and um, we thought our owners had their horses here, they could spell here. And so if they wanted to come and see their horses, the horses were always here, see the spelling or, or in work. Mm. 
And if we've got a bit short of um, racehorses, we could always break in, or which we'd always done, and um, jog up and, and all those sorts of things, which we did. You know, whatever you had to do to survive, you did. And, yeah, um, of course. But it, but it worked out pretty well. I mean, we were pretty lucky not long. I think we are only here maybe three or four years when things started. To, we had two good years. The first two years, yeah. um, we had pretty good years. I think we won about around 40 or 50 races, mm. which was pretty good. Oh, outstanding. And for the team we had. and um, But we're always lucky that we had a – Harold Park Horse, a Friday night Harold Park Horse, mm. and uh, like Diesel Burner and uh, the Master and uh, you know, Call Me Roy and yeah. all those sorts of horses used to get us to Harold Park every Friday night, exactly. which I think was important to be seen. Yeah, yes, oh, absolutely. And Paul, one of the early ones for whom you had special admiration was Dual Prince. Uh, in fact, you told me once he's one of the best horses you've ever trained. He won twenty three. He finished up a C thirteen M five. Only nice horses do that. Yeah, yeah. He was just he was a wonderful horse. He he could really run and that beautiful big horse. I'm sure it's by Panorama. Mm. And he um but oh, a big strong horse and Ray Wisby had him early. And um he, Ray gave him to us to train and um oh yeah, he was a he was a real good. I think he won, might have won the Canberra Cup or the JD Watts a couple of times and um, Mm-mm. But he fibrillated, and uh, they couldn't stop him fibrillating. Yeah. And, uh, so we ended up retiring him. Paul, a mare you really liked, and you were still driving back in this era, was Dougal's Dream. You drove her in pretty well every start. Uh, she won 20 races. Yeah, yeah, no, she was a great mare. She um really, really well-bred mare. And, um, yeah, she did a terrific job. She won Bathurst, and uh, just a, only a tiny little thing she was, but, oh, Mm. Same thing, speed and strong. Yeah. Yeah, she was a good mare. Now, let me ask you this question, and don't let humility interfere. You've got to give me an honest answer. What sort of a driver were you? Yeah, I was okay. Yeah, I was okay. I mean, I, um, um, I, I'd rate myself, you know, probably, you know, one of the um, better than average drivers at Harold Park. Yeah, you got the job yeah. done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's um, coincidence that the um, we improved so much when the boys started driving. You know. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that's um, that had a lot to do with it. But yeah, look, I I, I don't know how many winners I drove, but mm. but it's um, we 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 had a lot of good times and um, plenty of winners. And that, and, sorry. And plenty of winners. Yeah, we had a lot of winners. Yeah, we did well, John. Yeah. yeah, we were pretty successful in comparison with the team we had. Now let's get back to some of these nice horses. What about Gull King? Twenty-six wins and a couple of hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah, no, he was a good horse. Yeah, won the Carousel, and uh, um, he was he was a lovely horse. And uh, we had um, we had his full sister, Serene Star. She was she was a wonderful mare too. You know, I remember and, her uh, well. Yeah, she was tough mm, too. I saw her very, sit very three wide at Penrith one night, That's right, all yes. the way, yeah, and she yeah. just she was doing her best work in the last fifty meters. Yep, that's right. That's, uh, she was a great mare, and uh, funny never bred, never bred a thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and Gal King, like full sister to her, yeah, he, he was. Uh, we bought him off for our own faith. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we had a lot of luck with him, and uh, had a lot of good, good fun with him. Right, oh, now we're getting into the silk department, Paul. Western Australia's Mick Lombardo 
has arguably bred and raced more horses than any other owner in the history of the sport in Australia. He did you a colossal turn in 2006 when he sent you two cults. One was a brown by million to one, the other was a grey by jet lag. Now, is it true that very early in the piece, you boys down there at JJ Farm thought the the one by million to one might have been the best of the two? Well, it, it happened. Um, it came... Um uh, Graham Tyndale brought him over, mm. and um, Blake had driven one for Graham Tyndale at some time, and Gavin must have been away with a horse somewhere. Mm. And um, they hadn't done a real lot, but they, um, oh, they, they'd raced in Western Australia. But Tinney yeah. said to um, Blake, "Drive this brown one." He said, "He's the best." Oh, did he? Because <laughs> well, on the track he was. Yeah. You know, he, he was. He was. He could work. Some days he could work just like a machine. Mm. And. Um, so and, and right to the end of the end of the day that was and uh, so he said to Blake um, drive him so Blake drove him and um, Gavin was away so he never got a choice so he just got yeah. put on pocket watch yeah and um, and they went down and worked him and it was the same like um, Mandingo just felt like a machine and pocket watch mm. worked good but the other horse just worked super. Was, yeah 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 well the other horse so, we're talking about is Lombo Mandingo and he was no mug. Uh, he won 14 from 29, uh, but the other bloke, the grey horse, was quite amazing. Undoubtedly the best horse you've ever trained. 45 wins, one and a half million in prize money. Uh, yep. Do you have a favourite win, Paul, out of that 45? Is there one that has remained your all-time favourite? Oh, I think the um, pacing goal that um, Ballarat Mm. Um, Two-year-old. Sure, it was Ballarat. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, uh, no, um, it must have been the Breeders Crown. Sorry, the Breeders Crown at Ballarat. Yeah, that's the when day he, he was up, badly locked, he was locked up. up. And, yeah, and he got out yeah. halfway round the turn and he blew him away. Yep. Yeah, that, that day that was exciting. You know, he's um because mm. Mandingo was in it. And I think he he, uh, he led it. Yeah. And, um, in those days, most places you went, they used to run like two heats, and Mandingo would be one and. Mm. Pocket watcher being the other, and um, yeah. one of the boys would drive in both heats. And uh, most days when they got off, they could say, Geez, I don't know where the pocket watch would have beat this horse today. Like, he just feels so good, man, didn't you? Yeah. But in the final, mm. it was always the same. You know, pocket watch just so good at the races. Yeah. Paul Mick Lombardo liked him to run in whatever futurity series happened to be paid up for. I remember once he won a heat of something in Melbourne on the Saturday night. You put him on the float, rushed him back to Sydney for a heat of something else at Harold Park the following Tuesday, then back to Melbourne for the final of the first series. He copped yeah. all of that, didn't he? He was an amazing yeah. horse. And, and wouldn't leave a note anywhere. No. You know, he'd eat, eat all the time and drink and, you know, he was so easy to train in that way. Mm. Well, you mentioned the Breeders' Crown final. His other big wins as a two-year-old were the Gull Crown final at Bathurst uh, the APG final at Albion Park, the Seymour Nursery final at Albion Park, and the Vic Bread Super Series in Melbourne. And then as a three-year-old, uh, he won the Victoria Derby, the Australian Derby in Tasmania, and, and the final of the Vic Bread three-year-old. Now, he failed in the Sydney Derby, Paul. Did he, he didn't have a lot of luck in that, did he? No, no, no he didn't. Um... Uh, he he got a quarter crack. Um, I'm just not sure whether it was then or not. 
But no, he didn't have much luck in that in that Sydney derby. They didn't go very quick, and you know he got and he got wide and everything. And uh, but he didn't go as good as he did. Mm. And um, he, um, he you know, as I say, he just got a, a quarter crap. But one of his best runs ever was in the Queensland derby. He went got through the nose or something, mm. and uh, oh, he was off the track. You know, he drew bad and he was off the track the last five furlongs, and that it was an enormous run. Yes, yeah. Now, Mick Lombardo, of course, lives in Western Australia, so it was obvious that he'd want to get him over there at some time, and he he waited until the four-year-old classics came up at Gloucester Park, the McInerney Ford and the Gold Nugget, and you shipped him to the other side of the nation. He won both. Yep, yep, yep. And he uh, he should have won the uh, Tyson Cup one year, that year, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Uh, He couldn't get out. Um, he just got held up and couldn't get out, but he was just jogging him behind him. He would have beat him. Yeah. Well, eventually, Paul, Mick took him home and he had his last 22 starts in Western Australia. He won four of them, but I think it was obvious his really big days were behind him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he'd done a lot of work as, um, as a baby, John. I think he had um, – I'm just trying to think how many starts he had. I think he had, might have had something like 19 starts as a – as a two-year-old, yes, yeah, well, but but he's, he's still the only horse ever to win over a million dollars as a juvenile. Yeah, oh yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's a bit hard to do it on both ends, but yeah, although he, uh, he uh, make, make every nothing was too good for him, but he oh. he still had a very very long two-year-old career. Yeah, and the travelling. What about the travelling? It was and the unbe- traveling, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I used to fly whenever they could. They'd fly and. Uh, Mm. But yeah, yeah, just uh, amazing what he could do, and uh, he just he would just back up and yeah, marry him. He's so good, Paul. We all wrap Lombo pocket watch for the things he did and the things he achieved, but I think you deserve a lot of the credit for the way you managed him. I mean, it was a job in itself. Uh, it, you you did it with painstaking care, and you looked after him so well, and you certainly got the result. Yeah, well, as you said, Mick had him nominated for everything, and he wanted him to get along as the horse was well and healthy and everything. He he, he likes him. He likes his two-year-old. He's like his babies to race. Mm. And um, yeah, so he, like that's what he wanted. So that's what you had to do. And, um, but but yeah, look, it was a lot of work, but he made it so easy because he was just so good. Yeah. You know, you know, you didn't have to worry about him eating or drinking or you know, he just did it. Here's a lovely old horse that raced for a long, long time for the stable, Rowan Home. He had a total of 91 starts. He won 32 of them. He ran second to smoking up in that Lensmith Mile at Menangle when they went 148.5, and I never saw him go any better than he did that night. The quarters in that race, Paul, just to refresh your memory, were 25-7, 27-4, 27-6, 27 9, and your bloke was hitting the line. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, that was his best run ever. It was phenomenal, but it tugged him too, John. He was never <laughs> the same after it. Really? He uh, left it there. I, I don't, well, I don't know why. I mean, he pulled up so well. We actually you know, gave him a bit of a freshen up after that and everything, but he never ever got back anywhere near his best. Mm. And he, um, but I mean, it was phenomenal. That was like early on when they, when they just didn't do that. And, uh, yeah. yeah, but he he was he was one of the 
best horses we've had, best and nicest horses. He was just a beautiful horse. Yeah. Paul, I'll tell you another one you had a lot of time for. You didn't have him for long. Smooth Cruiser. He was a gelding. He was by Fake Left. He had six runs in New Zealand before he landed in your stable. You won the first nine straight with him and a total of 15 in all. He ran third in a Miracle Mile. He ran in the Adelaide into Dominion, and you lost him after that. There was a disagreement somewhere along the line. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was the same thing. Beautiful horse, uh, Smooth Cruiser. Big, strong, solid horse, and um, he had a bit of action, but he, you know, it didn't worry him. And, uh, yeah, he, he went really good in Adelaide. And, yeah, we had a disagreement with the owners, and so we parted company. But it's a shame because we were getting him ready for the Hunter Cup. Mm. He was a great stand horse, and uh, we really thought off the front in the in the Hunter Cup that he would be very, very competitive in an art. And mm. with the three runs in a week, at the end of the minute, he was so he was just on top of his game. Yeah, but yeah, it just didn't work out. But yeah, he was a wonderful horse. Not as wonderful as Make Me Smile, who had sixty-eight starts, uh, he, he, a fifty percent win ratio. Paul, I don't know if you're aware, he won thirty-four from sixty-eight. Uh, he didn't mm. win a swag of major races, but he did win a derby final. He ran third in a Miracle Mile, and uh, he won more than half a million. Now, I know you thought a hell of a lot of him, and you gave him a permanent home at your place. Yeah, yeah, he's still here. Yeah, still he's, there? Um, yeah, still here, yeah. He, um, he's, he gets in with the babies and that. Mm. Um, look, look, he he had so much skate speed, he used to win them at the start. Yeah, couldn't and, he? Um, he, he just is, especially around Harold Park. You know, he'd be he'd be leading before they let the gate go. And uh, yeah, um, no, he was wonderful because he we got him when we first moved here, mm. and Lynn owned him, and uh, and she um, so he was he was he was really good to us like that. Yeah. Uh, but he he was a great horse. You know, we we got him as a yearling, mm. and um, yeah, I think he went third in the gold and. If he should have won Bathurst, really, he, he all but cost him at Bathurst. And Gavin, they just had their toes at his wheel and he couldn't get across. But if yeah. he got across him, he would have won. Mm. And, um, yeah, yeah he, he's, he's been a great horse to us. He was by grin from ear to ear. Yeah, yeah, we've had a lot of luck with that family. He's out of um, – we, we raced his mother, and um, lady, mm. and um, she's, done, she's done a great job too. But we raced her with, with Stan, Stan and Wing. Yep, and um, yeah, I mean they were all. It was all terrific at that time, and uh, we sold her as a broodmare, and then just then buying the first file back. Yeah. Now, Paul, you and Lynn have three boys, and Cameron was a slow starter. He didn't come into it for quite a long time, but all three have made their marks as drivers. Uh, Blake has done some incredible things at times. He's a master tactician. Gavin's um, a hard worker, a real tradesman. He just seems to have him in the right place at the right time, and he's very tradesman-like in everything he does. Uh, you wouldn't believe that all three uh, could put their name up in lights as drivers. You think one of them would have been uh, a dud? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, as you said, Cameron was a late starter, but he he was never interested um, early on, and uh, he yeah. just came later. Yeah, and um, he's just improved so much um, from from when he started to sort of to later on that he he, he was incredible, especially at Menangle. He loved Menangle, and um, mm. but the other two boys, they um, they, that's all they ever wanted to do. 
Mm. They would do they would do a trip before they went to school. We'd hobble three before they went. Yeah. And um and uh that's all they've ever wanted to do all their life, you know. Yeah. So there's yeah. I think they said actually they said last night Gavin's one off driving fifteen hundred winners. Yes, I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, it, it's been good because he he's um he doesn't get a lot of outside drives. He does, but he's he likes driving ours, mm. you know, because he's a trainer and a driver, and um, he likes that. Um, but he, you know, it's Blake's just a wonderful job, really. As you said, you know, he's just got uh, he's a great tactician in a race, and um, they travel, and um, so yeah, we're very lucky, John. You know, and I think that's one of the reasons I said before why we did so well. At Harold Park, we had when we had the, the two boys and then the three boys driving. Yes, yeah. You would have had mixed feelings when Blake decided to become a trainer in his own right, and he's been very successful at that too. But the day he said to you, "Dad, I'm leaving. I'm going to be a trainer uh, by myself," but I imagine there would have been some disappointment uh, in your thinking. Yeah, well, I mean, he had to go his own way. You know, he's um, they wanted to. Uh, when, he, when uh, he and Lisa got married, and um, they wanted to do their own thing, which is which is fine. But you know, it's it sort of is the same thing. We were so strong, the three of us together. Yeah. Um. Well, the four of us, we were so strong, and um. But you know, you, people have got to make their own decision, and, and he's done very well, and um, and uh, so he's he's lucky now. He's he's going to be in the same position one day. His his oldest daughter is very keen on the horses, so yeah. He'll um. It'll, um, but he's done. He's done very well. Lisa's, you know, very confident horse girl, and um, yeah. so together they, they do a good job. Mm. He's got a touch of magic about him, Paul. When he, he drives in races, he's a, as I said, a brilliant tactician, very quick thinker, and horses just love him. Yeah, yeah. We don't see many problems. Like, you know, he's he's got great hands. You know, he's a nice rider himself, and uh, mm. and he's got great hands, and they travel for him. You know, and, yeah. And I think it had, at Menangle, you've got to learn how to judge the speed there. Yeah, they just go berserk, don't they? It's yeah, the style of racing has changed so much. Now, Paul, the good horses keep coming back uh, to my mind. I'm a spicy Lombo, was a terrific filly, village swinger, erratic and headstrong, but God, couldn't she run? Protocori yeah. was a very, very good filly, particularly as a three-year-old. You couldn't believe she never won a classic Protocori. No, 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 no. She, you know, she ran a lot of placings, but yeah, she, she was a really good mare, a really good mare. And um, yeah, yeah, couldn't believe she, you know, she wasn't sort of um, one of the top mares. Well, she was one of the top mares of years. She just couldn't win one of them classics. Yeah, Paul, I wrote a piece recently for the website on one of your horses, Match in Heaven, who's won 19 from 52. He was very good early. He lost his way for a while, but he's now back with a bang with two terrific recent wins at Menangle, and you're driving him a lot tougher these days. Yeah, well, uh, he's he's probably um, it's just well, the way it works. John likes him to be driven, like, up near the front, mm. and... Um, so it's just how it's panned out, really, in the races. But like we've always driven him with a with a, for his speed. But yeah, we've just made him. He's a five year old now. Yeah, and he's just sort of gone forward a bit in his races and put him up near the front. But now he's up in that top grade. Mm. He's he's been able to still do it, and um, so he's going very good at the moment. Paul, you'd have to give the Inter Dominion some thought, wouldn't you, at the end of the year in Melbourne? 
Yeah, we will, John. Yeah, it's um, it wouldn't worry him like with the three runs, and uh, no, that's his plan. He's going to go in the um, Lensmith Mile yeah. in a couple of weeks, and then probably have a month off and get ready for the end of the minute. Oh, that's good news. Now, Paul, of, of the young stock in the place, there's a filly there that quietly you have a big opinion of, Miss Halfpenny. Uh, Lynn's a part owner. She's an American ideal filly. She's out of a mare by Christian Cullen. She's won three from seven, ran second in the APG final in Melbourne early in the year and went absolutely super, I thought, on Saturday night at Menangle. She led, took a long while to get to the front and was only run down in the last few strides. You'd have been tickled pink with her. Yeah, yeah, no, she went very good, yeah. Very honest little, little filly, you know, great David. But we really sort of, um, when we looked at her at the sales, um, her, her grandmother was um, Thrupence, and we used to race Thrupence all the time with Protocory. Yeah, that's right. That was yeah, a great was, crop that year, crazy. three-year-old fillies. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's what that's what got me interested in her, and, uh, mm. and she's a beautiful-looking filly, so it's one of the reasons for the border. But, no, she, she is, John, she's a really good gated filly, and uh, she's drawn good in the final. Yeah. So, cool. so um, very fast out. Yeah. She's not streamlined to look at when she's going, is she? She gets the head a bit low and mm. she looks mm. like a big locomotive. Yeah, that's right, yeah. But it, um, when she ran second or third at Bathurst in the final, she ran, um, I think she broke 55 the last half there. You know, they don't mm. do that very often at Bathurst. No. Um, coming around them. So um, if we can get her back to that the final night, She'll go well. They'll know she's there. Well, mate, mm. of, of all the young ones you've got in the place, she's the one that you've probably got the brightest uh, optimism for, Miss Halfpenny. Yep. Yeah, I think so. Okay, mate. Paul, this is a, a new innovation for me, the podcast. It's been an absolute delight to have you on board today. Thank you so much for joining us. One of your old mates and one of your old rivals uh, was a guest on the podcast last week, the one and only Brian Hancock. You and he were contemporaries for many years. Yeah, yeah, Harold Park, yeah. And uh, as I say, the good old days, yeah. Paul, glad you're well again. Don't let Gavin work you to death. <laughs> and thank you so much for joining us. Okay, it's a pleasure, John. Thank you. Talk soon.